is the Cloud Enough Podcast, your launchpad for Amazon Web Services. Welcome to the Cloud on Out podcast. Uh, my name is Andreas, and today I'm not joined by Michael, my brother, but by Michael Hausenblas. Um, he is a product developer advocate at AWS. Um, nice to have you on the show, Michael. Thank you so much for having me, Andreas. So, Michael, your, your title is um, product developer advocate. So what does that mean? <laughs> it means the first part hints at it that um, I'm in the in the service team, in the in the container service team, really, uh, and ECR, the container registry, happens to be part of that uh, offering of that service, and um, I'm kind of like the role is kind of like a, a glue between, on the one hand, PMs, the product managers who own a certain offering, and the engineers who actually write the code and then operate the code, and in between you need. Or, or it makes a lot of sense to have an engineer who also is not afraid to speak to people, to uh, give talks, uh, to talk to customers and learn from them um, and, and give that feedback back into, into the roadmap and, and inform uh, what we should be doing, how we should be doing. I focus a lot on, on UX, right? Like I want to feel the pain uh, and I'm, I'm aware of it that there is pain using things, right? And that kind of feedback helps to improve our, our products and offerings. Wow, that sounds like a really interesting and also very important role. <laughs> very I cool. think so, yeah. I, I like it, I like it. Okay, yeah, so this is uh, episode 27 um, of the Cloud or Not podcast. We are recording that on September 25th. And um, the topic, so you already mentioned it a little bit. So what we want to talk about today, Michael, is we want to go over the difference between the ECR, so the Elastic Container Registry, uh, and um, I will compare that to other container registries, um, namely Docker Hub and GitHub, the GitHub Container Registry, which is quite new. So the idea is that, yeah, we talk a little bit, uh, maybe the most, the most important part will be ECR, but we will then, I will try to compare that to the other two services. And what I want to do is also I want to highlight um, typical scenarios for the different products. So when it maybe makes sense to use uh, one of them. Uh, is that fine with you, Michael? Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Cool. Cool. Okay. So, so I want to start. So, first of all, um, what is the container registry? So, Michael, if I if I ask you that, and you don't have you don't have the possibility to look it up in Wikipedia, so how would you describe <laughs> it? <laughs> how would you describe it to someone who has never been using a container registry? Right. Right. So, in a sense. On a non-technical level, right? Of course, you could refer to you know the, the specifications, but to, in the non-technical technical terms, it's essentially the handover between development and operations, right? So you, as a developer, you build artifacts, right? And and in the good old times, we you know I remember 15 years ago, whatever. How would I distribute that artifact? Well, I would. Um, I, I admit I did that. Uh, FTP somewhere and then, you know, download stuff, right? That would be the way how I would get the stuff that the jar file, war file or whatever it was that I had on my, my desktop into a production or staging environment, right? And in the context of containers, um, the, the way how to get this stuff, how to get these artifacts that you build as a developer into a usually, since we, we talk about containers, you have a container orchestrator like Kubernetes or ECS or whatever that then um, pulls these container images, these, these artifacts, uh, and, and you know, deploys them and, and runs them on some machines, right? And, and in that sense, it's, it's not only this technical um, artifact, <laughs> no pun intended, this technical interface, but it's, it's very much uh, uh, an interface between development and operations. Mm -hmm. oh, I like that definition very much. Cool. Yeah. So, so I think so. From my perspective, the I think really the magic of containers, or one one part of the magic, is um, that we are we can easily build those artifacts, those container images, and then share them with others. Uh, so share them with other developers, share them with our infrastructure. Um, and bundling all of that in our Docker uh, container images and um, I think that's really the magic uh, or a big part of the magic of everything. And the, the registry is basically a central place um, where we can store, upload, and fetch 
those container container images from. So the terminology here is you push and pull um, your container image to the registry, um, and and typically um, that helps. Yeah, you don't have two machines have to be online to to be able to uh, to share an image, but you have one central place where you store that, and um, that's what we want to talk about today. Right, and and crucially. You mentioned already, um, you know, the, the main feature of, of containers is not, I hear that and see that quite often still mentioned, uh, drawing the parallels with VMs and, and talking about isolation. Um, this is not really true. And with my security, container security head on, I can really guarantee you that if you focus on that part, you'll probably be disappointed or, or you know, you will wake up to a bad surprise. Uh, it's really this application level dependency management, right? It's packaging up your uh, dependencies and your dependency might be, you know, configuration file. If you look at, you know, Python or whatever, you might have something there that configures as, you know, I am depending on these things. Uh, it might be a library. It might be whatever, but it packages it in a standardized way so you can run it on your Raspberry Pi if you want. You can run it on ECS if you want. You can run it on whatever other target system. And you have a certain guarantee that it will just run because it has all the dependencies with it. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, so I think that is that is really uh, that comes very close to to the point here. So yeah, so okay, so we we introduced what is a container registry. We will have those three options that we will go through: ECR, um, Docker Hub, and GitHub container registry. But before we do that, I want to just introduce a few scenarios um, where you actually need a container registry because. When you just use containers on your local machine, you can do local development with containers as well. That might be um, uh, a good a good approach as well. Um, but when do you really need a container registry? So when that does that make sense? So I think the first scenario for me is whenever I build um, infrastructure on AWS for for one of our consulting clients, I always start with building a pipeline. So the CI/CD pipeline, deployment pipeline, however you call that. Um, so the automation of um, fetching the source code from the source code repository, building, bundling that, and then um, creating a container artifact uh, out of everything, the container image. And if you do something like that and then later deploy that to AWS with the help of Terraform or CloudFormation uh, or CDK, um, you need a way to store that artifact so that you really, at the beginning of the pipeline, you create that artifact, store it somewhere, and then it travels through the whole process. It goes through all the different steps, maybe a test environment, uh, maybe canary uh, deployments, or maybe just deployments on a uh, production system. And it really helps a lot if you have one central place where you store all these artifacts um, so that 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 every part in the process can refer to, to the image later and basically also download it very easily, uh, for example, to deploy it on ECS or ECR. So I would say this is probably the, or this is really um, a, a scenario where making use of a container registry really helps because otherwise, how do you ship that artifact through the pipeline, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, but I think there are there are other scenarios for using a container registry as well. So what I what I noticed recently is uh, more and more open source um, projects, but also um, software vendors, they really offer a Docker or container image um, with their software that you can easily use to run that on your own infrastructure. Right. Right. And and I think that's another scenario why you would use a container registry if you want to just you want to distribute your your software uh, worldwide over the internet, yep. um, so that makes sense to to use a public uh, container registry that everyone can access. Um, so yeah, so I think that is a, another very popular uh, use case for container registry. And the third scenario that I often see uh, in practice is. Um, so if, if multiple developers collaborate together to, to work on a, let's say, microservice architecture, uh, or even multiple teams um, within an organization need to work together, um, it really helps if those developers have a way to share their parts of the system, their microservices, with each other so that others can easily use those pre-built artifacts, for example, for testing purposes or um, 
yeah, trying things out on their own machines. So I think this is another area where it really helps if you have one, one container registry that the whole organization or that parts of the organization can use to collaborate on uh, software artifacts, basically. Um, so that's the, I would say that's the three scenarios I see or I use container registry most often for. Can you think of any any other scenarios where it would make sense to to introduce a container registry? Right. Um, the the best way to think about it, I believe, is if we expand our definition or understanding of artifact. Right. So OCI, the the um, the specification, the the, the Linux Foundation. Um, project uh, talks about artifacts right and there's a reason for that it's not just container images and, and in fact we are in in the middle of this uh, transformation from container registry and container images to general purpose artifacts right if you look around you will see that more and more um, registries that initially focused on uh, distributing container images are now supporting many more artifacts. And the reason being that, uh, while it's true, what all, all that you said is true, but you also want to have other artifacts along with your container images for certain use cases. For example, if you um, want to deploy or want to offer not only the container image itself so that you can do a Docker run on your desktop, but also, let's say, um, enable someone to deploy that in their Kubernetes cluster, then typically you end up, you know, having some Helm charts or whatnot, right? So these are also artifacts, and why not storing them also in in a in the same place, essentially, right? Why why having multiple ways to to get to your artifacts, everything you need essentially to run that application, right? So I'd like to suggest to expand this understanding or definition that we're really talking about a set of artifacts. Um, it could be a Helm chart. It could be policy related, right? It could be an OPUP uh, bundle and an open policy agent bundle mm -hmm. having policies in there that describe uh, or, or, or define runtime policies that should be uh, applied, etc. So once you understand it's not just container images, that opens up a whole new a set of use cases, right? If think of uh, very often we see that uh, many customers that that uh, have exactly that need, um, thinking about um, coming back to OPA and 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 Rego, um, they need to enforce certain uh, policies in order to be compliant with you know PCI DSS, for example, if you're a financial institution or healthcare providers who um, need to comply, for example, with with HIPAA, um, uh, HIPAA, <laughs> sorry, HIPAA. Um, and 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 then you see that while the container images obviously are the kind of like central piece because that is where your application lives, the application depends on or 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 has other artifacts around it that actually make it useful, right? If you just have a container image, that's great, right? But how do you actually make it run, right? Besides the use case where you actually run it on, on a single machine where you say Docker run, right? Um, you need other artifacts typically, right? And then you can decide, mm. do you want to separate them? Do you also want to apply this good practice of uh, immutable infrastructure? And, and part of that is obviously, you know, if you uh, figure out there is a, a security issue or whatever, a new feature or a bug fix, rather than changing that in the running container, you build a new container image and you deploy that new container image, right? And the same is true for everything else, right? If you um, see a violation in your, your policy or you want to tweak something in your Helm chart, then you obviously should go through the CI pipeline. You should have the full uh, integration test. You should have the full, um, you know, smoke test, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, build a new artifact, deploy that, uh, push it to the registry and then let it, uh, whatever then the, the, the target environment is. Obviously, if it's a container, then then it's a container orchestrator like EKS or ECS. If it's, uh, you know, uh, OPA might have different ways to, to get to it, right? In the context of Kubernetes, you very likely are going to use Gatekeeper that works in the API server as, as an admission uh, webhook or, or, or uh, controller mm -hmm. in there. But that, that's that's what I mean. Like if we talk about more, um, more, artifacts not just container images you will see more use cases popping up okay yeah very interesting so basically uh, we extend that not only having the image but also everything else we need to deploy those containers exactly and that sounds yeah that sounds really interesting and i think um so 
yeah, we see some. So, so, so I'm, you know, that Michael. So I'm the the terraforming cloud formation guy, and and we have those. Uh, there is a registry at least for for terraform, and some some ways to do it with cloud formation. And um, but um, so I think it it really makes sense if you have really all you need uh, bundled in one place and and uh, keep that archive there in one place. That really makes sense to me. So I really like that approach coming from the. I think it's probably coming from the Kubernetes world, right? So so it really makes sense to yes. to to bundle all yeah. of that together. Yeah, I like that. Very cool. Definitely motivated, or 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 you know, a lot of proponents uh, come from there. But I, I would not, you know, it's it's not limited to to communities. Let's put it. That it's way. not. Yeah, but but the idea. Yeah, I really the like idea. the idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah. So we we talked about uh, some scenarios why you would uh, want to use the container registry, and now I want to. I really want to dive into uh, first of all Amazon ECR. So this stands for the Elastic Container Registry. I think pro I I would guess. Probably, or yeah, really, I've done a, a survey on Twitter <laughs> and I ask, um, which container registry do you use to deploy your workloads on AWS? And, and if I remember correctly, it was something like 80 or 90% are using ECR. Uh, and I think that's for a reason. Um, it really, it really is probably the best way, um, the best fitting registry for, for workloads that you run on AWS. Uh, and I, I would say, I don't know if you agree with that, but I would say the reason for that is mostly um, that ECR handles authentication and authorization with uh, AWS Identity and Access Management. Um, so that allows it to be very well integrated into all the different AWS services. So, so I think that is really, I would say this is one of the huge uh, advantages and you are in the AWS ecosystem um, that you're using the same uh, authentication authorization mechanism that you do for the rest of your infrastructure. Right, right. And and this is not uh, a coincidence because obviously, although you know I, I am part of the, the container service team and focus obviously on container offerings like ECR and et cetera, um, from a customer perspective, they obviously, our customers don't care about specific services, right? Uh, it's really AWS is the product, right? Um, if you need to solve a certain business issue, you're not interested in hearing from someone from our service team, well, you know, this is a, a storage issue or networking issue, you know, good luck with that. You want, you know, that your entire application works. And part of that is obviously the, the integration. And uh, the way how AWS is set up, Uh, means that the container well, the service teams, being container service team being one example, uh, are very agile, are very you know, able to move very fast. Um, but that also requires us to to be good or or to focus on the integration between the different offerings, right? Otherwise, again, and that is where I luckily have enough uh, work cut out. Um, the users suffer, right? If you if you if it doesn't integrate nicely and deeply, then it's not as useful. Of course, you can always say I, I can build these integrations myself but again you should not be doing that right you should be able to to benefit from that integration from the get-go yeah yeah so basically whenever you want to deploy containers on aws it's the easiest choice um to use ecr um because of the, the integrations yeah so one thing i i missed to mention that i would say is important so ecr is a private uh registry uh, it, it provides you private repositories yes um so I like that. So, because by default, uh, you are the only one who has access to whatever you store <laughs> there. Um, and I, right. I always, um, I actually prefer services where the intention is very clear. Is this for, is this for private or for public usage? So with S3, we have a mixture, <laughs> like kind of. And, um, I would think that that leads to confusion. So I really like that approach that this really focuses on being a private uh, registry. Uh, of course, you can, you can provide access. I think, is it? No, you can't publicly, but you can. You could, for example, for any authenticated um, IAM um, entity, right? Yeah, but it, it really, it focuses on, on the private part. So, so I really like that. And, and it's intended to be used like that. Um, so, um, I want to mention two two features that I really like about uh, about ECR, uh, and I want to um, one of that is uh, it comes with um, immutable image tags. Mm. Um, so what that means, um, 
if you if you if you create a Docker uh, container image and um, add a tag to that, so let's say this is version one of my of my container image, and and you, if you push that to ECR, uh, if you have enabled immutable image tags, ECR will not allow someone else to push another image with the same tag. And and I was uh, just recently uh, I was part of a, a call where. Uh, someone was doing a risk assessment of an infrastructure and application. And um, the question was, how do we prevent someone uh, in the process to modify the artifact? <laughs> and I said, hey, uh, we have that in place because uh, it's not possible to override uh, the tag that we pass through the pipeline is always referring to the image that we created once at the beginning. And this is, I think, a very cool uh, feature. Right. Right, and it comes uh, basically down to, on the one hand, reproducible builds, and on the other hand, uh, the, the semantics of tags. And uh, you know, like it or not, that that's one of the things we just have to live with. The the, the way how uh, tags in Docker originally have been defined, or the semantics have been defined. And you do see, I've noticed that in in communities, I've been you know in that community for for five years now, and this impedance mismatch between. Uh, in communities, the the expectation is that this uh, this image is, or the tag really is immutable. Whereas Docker doesn't enforce that; it, it doesn't tell you, right? So if you do have a mechanism uh, that actually enforces that, then you're in a much better place. You don't run into a set of issues. And the other one is really around um, reproducible builds, right? Like the, the theory would be that no matter what you're doing, right? If if you write a Docker file today, and you share that Docker file. So not the container image, right? Not the, the, the tar file with the JSON embedded, but the, really the Docker file, the text Docker file, right? And I take that tomorrow and do a Docker build on it. Then the expectation would be that the, the resulting image is the same, right? That would be on a high level, the, the expectation. Turns out that's not true because many of those things, um, are outside of your control. And unless you are able to replicate the entire infrastructure, Uh, you will never be able to have 100% reproducible builds. But you can, or you should, strive to get there. And having mechanisms like you mentioned, the, the immutable tech uh, in an ECR, definitely supports you, helps you in, in that endeavor. Yeah. 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 Another, I think another very interesting feature um, is of ECR is, at least from my perspective, is the image scanning feature. Um, so I think out of the box, what you can have is um, you can enable image scanning for pushes. So whenever you push a new image to the uh, repository, uh, it will start um, an image scanning job. And it uses an open source project, Claire. Um, and basically what they do is um, they check for known security vulnerabilities and um, you get back a report um, and and. Doing that makes sure that whenever you you push a new image, for example, if you when your pipeline builds a new image, pushes that to the registry, um, you get immediately feedback on uh, yeah, if you have any anything um, security related to do uh, with that image before it parses the um, the whole process. Uh, I think, um, as far as I know, there is this is there is no built-in feature that as um, images are scanned periodically but you can build that on your own by yeah, using lambda functions whatever um, I do that often to have also checks in place if a running image um, shows uh, later any 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 issues uh, any any CVEs coming up here so that's I think also interesting um, yeah I think a really interesting feature and um, the good thing here is you don't have to build that in your pipeline yourself. You just right. use that feature out of the right. box. And and that is something I, I was uh, you know lucky enough and 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 very glad that I was part of the that launch last year. I think it was pretty much exactly a year ago, beginning of September 2019, when we launched that feature. And mm -hmm. um, it is specific to operating system level um, scanning. So we we don't you know scan your jar file or any, any other application specific things but um, it is free and uh, that means that a kind of like basic uh, scanning that you essentially just need to opt in right you just say yeah please do that um, it, it is throttled right you can't uh, change uh, you can't scan every five minutes or whatever 
I, I would need to look up. I, I know that at launch, I think we we throttled it with one scan per per day or twenty four hours um, to get a handle on you know how 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 much uh, scanning will there be going on because mm-hmm. obviously <laughs> a certain load on our infrastructure. And, sure. You know, um, and and also to to be uh, honest, right? If you let's say you want to very aggressively scan, right? Like you want to scan every hour. Um, sure, you know we we could enable that. Um, but you have to ask yourself if you get a report or when you get a report, then are you actually able to react to that? Can you patch? Can you create a new version fast enough? And if your cycle is like, I don't know, every second day or once a week, what good is it that you know about a new vulnerability within an hour? Right. So that, that's that's where it's like, you know, uh, kind of understandable why why we chose that initially. Absolutely. And I think also it doesn't make sense to scan all of the images um, because you're probably only using a small fraction of that. Um, so so, it, it, so for me, when I built um, that automation in, I always try to build it in a way that it only scans the images that are currently running on any environment um, because otherwise it's yeah, just wasted uh, resources, even that if I don't have to pay for it. Yeah. Something like if I look at uh, the, the last year's 2019 AWS Container Security Survey that I did, and uh, currently uh, it's still ongoing, so I encourage you to have a look and and, and uh, you know participate in the survey. And if I look at that, uh, currently... Um, Almost forty percent say that they are actually doing this um, static container, as we call it, static container uh, scanning, which means uh, using the ECR feature. The second one is twenty-five percent not, and the third one is do-it-yourself clear, so they're running cleared by themselves. The fourth one is Trivi by Aqua Security, then Sysdig, uh, commercial offering Aqua Security, Prisma Cloud, formerly Twistlock. And then stack rocks. So that is that is the majority. Like it's really only only quote unquote twenty five percent who are still not scanning. And uh, I definitely so if I have one wish for Christmas, like please do scanning in whatever form. Uh, that's like basic basic uh, container image hygiene, right? You should be scanning. Absolutely, yeah. Cool. Um. So there's there's one topic that comes to my head right now. Um. So. There is another so so one problem when using any container registry is basically you build images, you push them to the registry, um, but how do you get rid of old ones that you are no longer using? <laughs> because right. typically you accumulate uh, images over images, and that occupies over the in the long term it occupies a lot of storage um, that you have to pay for. So so the question is, um, what's your take on? Um, Deleting images that are no longer needed. So how how do how to implement that? How to how to make sure you're not um, storing images forever, but on the other side, keep the ones <laughs> that you that you might need in the future. So that's that's always a tricky thing. So I'm interested in your take on that. Right. So ideally, you would obviously have a fully automated um, mechanism, right? So the entire like you know. Um, life cycle covering everything um, from your local, you know, you, you probably also want to apply this this policy locally, right? I mean, you probably run out of disk space at some point. Yes. <laughs> Docker images locally, like, oh my God, right? I, I need some 10, 10, 20 gigs. I I do a prune there locally. Uh, but, but you know, obviously as well through the CI pipeline um, in, in ECR, for example. Um, so you want to automate that, right? You want to have certain policy uh, there, retention policy where you... Um, for, for various reasons, might want to keep around certain things. Again, think of compliance reasons. You might need to keep um, a certain version around for a certain time. Um, in the context of AWS, we have certain uh, offerings, like you might uh, know about S3 Glacier, where you can, um, you know, move stuff that you don't regularly access, but it's still around and it's very, very, very cheap. So, you know, maybe in, in an idle world, it would A, be automated and B, um, take the in 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 the data engineering context we call it the data temperature in, into account. So, um, are you still using it? Is that something? And, and you may right. There might be you know you might be offering different versions of your your application, and you need to keep a certain a version around for a certain time, uh, depending on your SLA or whatever. And and that's why you know you can't immediately aggressively prune and and throw away everything. Um, but 
you know, you can attach essentially to each of the container images or artifacts in general a certain temperature and say, like, if it's hot, then, you know, you keep it there. Um, then after, after you know, two versions or whatever, you move it somewhere else and then uh, eventually it en ends up on Glacier, for example. And But you still have it around, right? If you need it for whatever reasons, you you can get it, right? You, you, you can, you don't, you don't lose it in that sense. Oh, Michael, that would be a feature request. <laughs> for Absolutely. To have Absolutely. that automated. Absolutely. <laughs> that would be really always, cool. Yeah. Always, always happy to, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, very cool idea. Yeah. I, actually, I never thought about that. So, so I tried the, how's the feature called in ECR that deletes images automatically after a while? Uh, the, the life cycle. Life cycle uh, policy, is it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Life cycle policy. Yeah. So I use that. And, but, but sometimes, yeah, you have that um, requirements that you keep the images around. So, so my, my first AWS project uh, was mm. for, for a finance institution and we had to keep built like that for, I think it was 10 years, if I remember it correctly. Um, so yeah, but then maybe, yeah, using it, copying that to, to a three myth with Glacier. Um, that's maybe an interesting idea. Right. Um, very cool. That, that's where I, I kind of, I'm sorry. I, I kind of like assumed that, uh, <laughs> I should not have. Yes, I, I should have pointed it out. Yes, ECR has a, a native feature called lifecycle policies that uh, allow you to do that. Uh, but the, the part that I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's it's not yet there. You cannot yet uh, essentially assign uh, temperatures or whatever you want to, however you want to call it, and, and immediately automatically move it to to Glacier. But that would probably be something that, in the long run, people might also be interested in. So, yeah, yeah, very cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, so um, so I think we. From my perspective, we covered um, many important parts of ECR. So besides that, it just works. So I never had an issue with <laughs> using ECR. It's it's rock solid. It it works out of the box. Uh, it scales. You you don't have anything any maintenance work to do basically. Um, so and I would say so coming from the scenarios from the beginning, I would say uh, ECR is really uh, the go-to choice for a container registry to deploy container workloads on AWS. So if you have a deployment pipeline. Um, really using ECR is, is I would say, um, the go-to choice here. Um, besides that, um, so as you are a product developer advocate, so you probably can tell us a little bit on what what is going on at ECR right now. So about the recent announcements, um, maybe also the roadmap uh, where this is going to. Absolutely. So... 2020 has really been, besides all other things, if we ignore COVID and the rest, a really interesting and exciting uh, year for, for ECR specifically. We uh, shipped a number of, of super interesting features and we're not done yet, right? The, the year is not over yet and uh, you can expect more, but let's first review what we have shipped this year. And that is starting in chronological order with um, support, native support for multi-architecture. So the use case there is essentially, you might have heard or even used Graviton, which is ARM-based, um, offering EC2 uh, instance types that um, have a really interesting um, price, um, you know, performance uh, offering there. And given that it's ARM, um, and and by default, I guess many people built um, for for AMD 6086. Uh, um, you probably want something in the registry that makes it more easy and, and smoother to support images for multiple architectures, like ISA for, for instruction set architectures. And uh, we shipped that, and I would need to check, I think, in May. Yes, my colleague Jesse Butler wrote uh, a launch blog post, and I shared that uh, blog post uh, where he goes into detail, like what it actually means, the technicalities. Um, it, it uses what is called a, an OCI manifest, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Don't don't uh, you know? Got hung up on the on the technical details. It essentially means you can now automatically create, push, and manage. Um, container images um, and by extension artifacts um, in in for any for any uh, architecture and um, and that's that's uh, super in this context of you know using it in graviton super super interesting for for people so one question on that so do I have to do something special when building the image? Probably I have. 
Ish, as I mentioned, there is this, um, how is it called, Docker manifest create command there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a it's a, a minor step. It's like, you know, if you have Docker build, et cetera, et cetera, it's like one more step, uh, but the rest is, is handled for you, right? We now understand uh, that natively. So if you then at some point in time um, essentially look at that image, you will see that the manifest says, yeah, the media type is whatever, Docker distribution manifest v2 plus JSON and the, the platform architecture is AMD64 or, or ARM64. Um, so your interface essentially is this Docker manifest uh, command, which is in addition to the Docker build. So yes, of course, there is a little bit of, of an additional overhead, but the rest is handled for you. Okay, so that's definitely something I have to look into. It's on my to-do list for so long. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, cool stuff. Yeah, okay. as I said, it makes mostly sense if you are deploying, if your target is anything Graviton-based, Graviton, -based, Graviton mm -hmm. nowadays, obviously. Mm -hmm. The second thing we um, launched, and, and I was uh, lucky enough to do that launch with, with an engineer there, Shubra, uh, was, she was the, the lead engineer there, uh, is OCI artifact support. And that is, if you remember the beginning where I said, we see uh, this move towards a general purpose um, registry, not only for container images, this is... Um, This is super exciting because it means now, uh, nowadays in, in you know September 2020, uh, that you can push anything there really, right? Um, I, in that blog post, we we went through uh, showing how you can do Helm, uh, Helm charts, and OPA uh, bundles. But these are just two examples, right? You can literally put whatever you need in terms of artifacts in there. Right, so you have not only a container image in there, but let's say also your Helm chart and, for example, an OPA bundle that def then defines, you know, what your um, requirements are, your policies are in terms of what you can deploy, from where you can deploy it, who has to sign off on it, who has to review it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right, these kind of artifacts. Cool. That sounds cool. Okay. Right. So, and, and as I said, we were not twenty uh, twenty is not over. There is. Um, reInvent coming up and um, definitely a few I, I can't really get into details but I, I will share the, the container roadmap um, link with you where you can filter for ECR and there's a little tip just between the two of us. Uh, you can not only filter for ECR but then you can also look at the column where it says coming soon and that is typically a really good hint. Uh, PMs, uh, you know, would the product manager responsible for that would would look at that and move that into that column uh, if the launch is kind of imminent, right? That doesn't necessarily mean like it's it's going to be launched next week, but it means that it's very very soon. Uh, so if you ask yourself, you know, should I be um, I don't know things like cross-region replication or whatever else you're, you're wondering. Um, Once it's in that coming soon, so the, the column where it says we're working on it essentially means, you know, our, our engineers are coding, they're testing, et cetera, et cetera. And once it's towards moving in that column uh, coming soon, it means the launch is imminent, right? It could be, as I said, a couple of days, it could be a couple of weeks, um, depends on, on many things, depends on you know, scale testing, AppSec reviews, many, many things. We want to make sure that we are ready for the operation and, and you know, we don't disappoint when we, when we launch. Um, but it essentially is a very strong signal that it will be um, launched very soon. So keep an eye on, on that if you're interested in any, any kind of upcoming uh, ECR features. Mm -hmm. Cool. Cool, cool stuff. Yeah, the container roadmap is, um, I think it's, it's really cool to have that transparently. Um, what is, what is, what you're working on that helps a lot. Um, when deciding to build something on your own or just to wait <laughs> for exactly. it to come around. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's, that's really helpful. Yeah. yeah, cool. Thanks for sharing. So, uh, Michael, is there, is there anything else that I forgot to talk about when it comes to ECR? Um, so there are, again, if I look at the ongoing, the 2020 container security um, survey, uh, as I said, many, most folks already are uh, scanning uh, the, the container images uh, addressed on, in, in ECR. Um, but there is also another piece that people are interested in. And... Um, Again, not widely, if you look at the 2019 results, not widely different, uh, but it may be interesting for folks to have start having a look at that, and that is uh, signing container images. 
And that essentially, again, we're still at around 90% who say, nah, we are not doing it. We're not interested in whatever. And only around combined 10% or so that are either looking at or, or already using Notary. And in that context, we are working, we as in AWS, we're working together with our colleagues from um, Red Hat and, and Microsoft, etc. And actually, this is very much driven by, by I think, Steve Lasker from, from, from the Azure team, um, that getting this Notary version 2 out there, it's still, you know, essentially based on this tough framework and the update framework, um, but getting that right in terms of uh, design, in terms of UX, et cetera, that when people are ready um, and, and we cloud providers are ready, uh, that uh, people can actually in a, in a nice and, and not too complex way sign their images. And with, with signing the images, obviously a number of, of uh, you know, in, in terms of defense in, in depth, a number of, of layers can be realized with that. And what's the, what's the benefit of, of signing the image? So why should I... Why should I think about doing that? So there is a whole class, like if you do the threat modeling, there's a whole class of attacks that are possible by um, essentially, like <laughs> if I ask you to do a um, an SH curl, whatever, like, you know, you just, whatever I give you back from curl, you just execute it. And ideally with sudo, right? Sudo SH, whatever, right? Like you just trust whatever I give you. Um, you may be lucky and everything is fine or you may not, right? So if I know, right, if I trust you, right, you personally, as a person or as a company or whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, and I can verify, I can cryptographically, like have a, have a, a, a proof because, you know, the, the PKI, the, the, the CA essentially says, yes, that's you. And I pull that image and run that. Um, I, I still might run into issues, but at least I know it's from you, and I can sue the heck out of you if something goes. Okay, so so that so that means basically, uh, so one one threat is um, that for, for whatever reason, um, my image gets uh, modified on modified, the compromised on the container registry or in the somewhere exactly. in between, exactly. yeah, exactly. somewhere in between exactly. the one who builds exactly. it and the one who pushes exactly. it. Okay, and mm -hmm. the, the bigger context really is and and. Again, if I look at the data there, I think it's still, yeah, even more. Like if the question around supply chain management, 93% still say no um, or like not interested, not managing. And uh, only 2.7% say they're using Intoto uh, and even less Grafeas. So think of it in the same way that, I don't know, do you eat meat? Do you like burger or whatever? I don't do no. <laughs> you don't do, but you might know people who do, and um, do. <laughs> and and you know we are pretty much used nowadays. If we go shop meat, whatever, that you see exactly where a certain piece of meat comes from, right? You have essentially the supply chain there. You can like theoretically, you could call up that farmer and say like, "Yo, what about that that cow or whatever," right? So, and, and that requires that the entire supply chain is documented, it's clear who did what, who handled it, et cetera, et cetera. So if there are issues, you at least have theoretically a handle to go back to the source. And the same thing is true for supply chain management with software artifacts, right? If I have no idea, and, and you know, that might sound like, yeah, I mean, why would you not have that idea? But in a very large environment, if you think about a multinational or even a moderately bigger could be in, in a single country, but an organization that is sufficiently big enough, you might not have an idea looking at something, being able to say, yep, that was the build that Andreas did on Monday at 2 p.m. in this machine, right? And having, having that way uh, to do that, capturing everything, which is mainly metadata, if you look at Intoto and, and Grafeas, it's mainly metadata, but combining that with... Um, with a, a digital signature, with a cryptography uh, valid uh, digital signature, you can actually prove, yes, you know, you, there is no excuse. Andreas built that and, and you know, introduced that backdoor there, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah, very interesting. Very interesting stuff. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, we've gone through Amazon ECR. And at the beginning, I promised uh, I want to compare Amazon ECR to two other um, container registries as well. And I want to jump on that uh, next. So the next one is um, Docker Hub. So 
Docker Hub is, I, I would say, it's the, the thing here is it's the default registry for Docker. So whenever you do Docker run, the default registry that is behind that is Docker Hub. Um, so um, that is why many open source projects, software vendors uh, use Docker Hub to host their container, container images because, yeah, it's the default and it's the power of the default, right? As the, the default browser on your machine or whatever, um, it's really the easiest one to access. Um, besides that, um, Docker Hub comes in two flavors. So there's a public version and you can also have private uh, repositories uh, on Docker Hub as well. Um, that's the part that you're paying for. Um, the, the public part is, at, you can say it is free <laughs> with, with, with some limitations. And um, so, so the magic here, because it's the default, um, when you type in something like Docker run nginx colon latest, this will just spin up the container image. If you use any other um, container registry like ECR or something like that, um, you have to type in um, the URL of the registry. And this can be quite long, actually. So I don't, I, I haven't counted the characters, but it's, I would guess, uh, 30 characters, something like that, um, to access your ECR um, um, repository. And so this is fine, of course, for, for internal use cases and pipelines and stuff. But, but when it really comes to discover container images and to share that publicly, this is, I would really think, think this is a, a benefit from using the Docker Hub for stuff like that. So, um, so that's why I think Docker Hub is really um, an interesting choice when, when you really aim to distribute a Docker image, a container image, uh, uh, publicly, so then I think that is really interesting. Uh, it's also interesting that you you don't even have to authenticate um, to access Docker Hub. However, um, recently um, Docker Hub changed the rules a little bit, so they introduced uh, really strict uh, rate limits on how many uh, images you can pull per second. Uh, so you can do, I think now it's a uh, hundred pulls. Um, for unauthenticated uh, users, and uh, it's 200 for authenticated users. This was this was causing troubles in one of our pipelines because accidentally we were pulling a lot of Docker images, and um, then we ran into that rate limit. So so that is um, so I think Docker Hub has a little bit the problem that because they are the default and a lot of free stuff is stored there. Um, yeah, they have to probably to, to to look at the costs of the whole infrastructure a little bit, and then re introducing those rate limits. One uh, comment on it's I'm not commenting on, on Docker Hub per se, but on in general, uh, you mentioned registry, right? And Docker Hub uh, goes way beyond that. And if you later on compare it to to uh, what GitHub now offers, um, you have to differentiate, or it, it makes sense. You don't have to, but it makes sense to differentiate between the pure uh, OCI compliant registry functionality, which means I can do a Docker push and then can do a Docker pull again. That's kind of like the, the bar, right? Like below that, you're not a real registry. Um, on the other hand, you also have the discovery part. Imagine you have the use case of, I want to find Doom, right? I want to play Doom. Right, that's there. How do you find it? Right, either someone gives you the says this is the repository, or you want something like uh, I don't know, like you want to search for it, right? You want, maybe want to have community feedback, like what do other people think about that? Most people say, like, oh, don't touch that. That's like you know whatever uh, malware. So this is not really covered by the the. And I always go back to the standards, right, or the the the, the open source open standards that that made the OCI put forward in that space. And and that's it's, it's important to to look at that uh, from does it does whatever you're looking at. And there are many many open source uh, offerings in that space. Think of Harbor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, does at a registry, in addition to this basic functionality of push and pull, also offer uh, discoverability features in whatever form and shape. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, so so it's basically so like Amazon Com is the default place for for searching for every product that I want to order. Uh, Docker Hub is probably the go to place for searching for for container images for for any software uh, that I want to use. Yeah, and and uh, also uh, important to mention here that. Many popular open source projects, uh, they are marked with an official badge. So that establishes a little bit of trust that you're not downloading something from, from, from someone, but from really the, 
the, the open source project or the software vendor that is behind that. And yeah, that is that is really interesting. And also I would say, I don't know, but so just for my for my gut feeling, a lot of um a lot of Docker files start <laughs> with uh, from something from Docker Hub, really. Yeah. So I think that the base image that you start with often, very often, uh, comes from Docker Hub as well. Okay. Yeah. So so the scenario for for Docker Hub is so I would say if you whenever you want to share something publicly, I think this is a, a really interesting thing. So you, you mentioned the the um, um, that kind of a marketplace that they have built in. Uh, for for open source stuff, and um, yeah, it's really the default uh, in Docker. So that's that's also interesting, I think. Um, so there is there is a private part of Docker Hub as well, so you can use that. But but personally, I don't. For for me, that offering was never compelling. Uh, so from a pricing perspective, from I have to manage another service and stuff. So um, yeah, it, it's there, uh, but I think. It's not that popular, probably, but at least for me, it's not something I, I am using I, regularly. I, I can't comment on popularity there, but I, I do know again from from our customer base, from from in the context of ECR, mm. that um, if you are operating worldwide, if you're global, if you have a global offering, then having or, or being able to do data locality. Uh, counts for something, right? In, in the other, yeah. words, you don't want to pull if you sit somewhere in singapore you don't want to pull stuff from san francisco right? mm. let's put it that way yeah. so you want to be able to say you know if it's geographically closer then please do that it means it's faster uh, etc right and then potentially costs uh, you know egress ingress is, is, is lower right and, and that's that's definitely something that a number of customers are asking for and in that context you obviously then also have the challenge that uh, it is a known issue in the in the container uh, roadmap, um, you want to automate the process of replicating your artifacts across different regions, right? You don't want mm -hmm. to do that by hand. Right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so I think that's probably it for, um, for Docker Hub. And the last thing I, I had a look at when, when writing a blog post about that. So that's maybe an important note. So whenever we do a podcast episode, there's typically a blog post covering that as well. You will find a link to that in the show notes. And so for that, I had a look at the uh, GitHub container registry. This is uh, still in beta, but I think I just, I was just interested in what GitHub is doing there. Um, they have a container registry in place already, as far as I understood it. But now the new thing that you should use <laughs> that is still in beta, but uh, is the GitHub container registry. And I think, um, so yeah, it's, it is a container registry. Um, <laughs> so, so cool stuff. Um, and um, what I like about it uh, is um, it's part of the GitHub ecosystem. So that means... If you're hosting your source code on GitHub and your developers have access to those repositories already, it's, it feels very natural to interact um, with the GitHub container registry as well. Um, so I think that is, I would say that is maybe the, the USP for, for the GitHub container registry. So if developers want to interact not only with the source code, but also with the artifacts, uh, stored in the GitHub container registry. And by the way, there's GitHub uh, packages as well for, uh, for other kinds of artifacts. Um, they, they already authenticated. They have their accounts. You have set up the repositories and uh, organizations and everything. Um, yeah. So that integrates uh, really nicely because what I see in some organizations is not all developers have the possibility to authenticate uh, with identity and access management for an ECR repository, or that some, sometimes is a little bit more complicated to do. So that is why I think if you do, if you use GitHub already, um, then um, GitHub Container Registry is a good choice for for that scenario that I introduced earlier for collab collaborating on software development. So not only share your code, but also share artifacts with other developers, with other developing teams uh, within the organization. So I think that is, um, from what I see from, from GitHub Container Registry, this is really there, um, the scenario where this is really uh, an interesting choice. Okay, so yeah, so so I will put a link um, to the show notes as well. I, I set up a, a sample repository because I was just playing around with the GitHub Container Registry, 
And so as ECR integrates very well into the AWS ecosystem, of course, GitHub Container Registry integrates in the GitHub ecosystem. And if you use GitHub Actions for CICD, um, it's very well integrated there. It really works very nicely. I like the experience a lot. Um, so, yeah, so that's my take on uh, on the GitHub it's, Container Registry. It's, it's a really interesting offering that Microsoft has put together there in the context of, you know, you have on the one hand, GitHub actions that uh, allow you to do everything from the, the testing to building artifacts, etc. And now you can also push these artifacts uh, integrated there, um, having one place that essentially, theoretically, you don't actually need to leave your browser, right? You could do everything, like you could even edit if you're, I don't know if, if the GitHub editor already supports VI, but if it does, I would definitely use that. Um, you know, but you theoretically, I mean, you, you could give it a try, right? You, I, I bet that you nowadays, you probably don't need to leave the, if you, if you go to github.com, right? You don't need to leave the browser again, right? You, you can have everything there, right? Uh, I've, I've, I've done documentation, like MKDocs based stuff, like everything is essentially in one place. So that's a very clever and very nice offering that Microsoft has put together there. Yeah. Yeah, so in general, I like the, the so I always call it the developer experience. So the way you interact with those tools, um, they're really um, yeah, raising the bar there. That's really cool stuff. Okay, yeah, so so last but not least, so um, typically when I do a comparison of different AWS services or different offerings, uh, I end with a comparison table. And this is always something that is hard to discuss on a podcast. <laughs> right. Um, so, so I would, I would, I have the link in the show notes, um, where I try to compare that. What, what I would, what I want to, I want to highlight a few things. So, uh, one thing that, 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 um, came to, or that became obvious when putting together that comparison table is ECR is really the, so when you, when you look at it from a production readiness perspective, um, that's really where ECR shines. You have an SLA, you have um, multiple regions that you can choose. Um, so the service is is really mature. It, it's really yeah, battle proof. It's really something that you can just use um, in a very in a professional environment. So that's what I say uh, is is interesting compared uh, to the other ones. And um, we discussed the features uh, of ECR with uh, immutable images, image scanning, and so on. That's also something um, the other uh, services are lacking a little bit. I think um, the probably the most important differences are, um, do you need a private repository? Is it for CI, CD? Or do you want to share your stuff publicly with the world? Then probably Docker Hub is a good choice. Or do you need something that integrates very well in your developer uh, lifecycle and uh, experience? Then that that could be a reason for for using GitHub, uh, the GitHub Container Registry. So I would really say this is the the overall summary of everything. And um, for details, I, yeah, I encourage um, the the listeners to to check out the comparison table. I I do have one question though. Is there a mm -hmm. reason why you didn't include Quayio? No. <laughs> I, I might be biased. I, yeah. I might be biased because I, I used to work at Red Hat, and I, but I really like so, their offering. Right, it's really a okay. Very well so uh, there is a reason for it. I, I've very seldomly worked with it, so that's why I don't know much about it. I can't really tell. So, so of course, that's that's maybe fair to mention. There are a lot of alternatives <laughs> to those three options. Um, so, uh, of course, GitLab uh, has uh, an offering. The, people are using. Um, uh, how's the frog stuff called? Um, Artifactory. Artifactory is one option. There are, there are many, many options out there. But but I'm, I was just focusing on, uh, I think I, I was focusing on these three options because I know them. And also I think they they really cover different scenarios. That's why I, I put it in that way. And of course, there are many different options. Um, cool stuff. Um, so... Yeah, so one more thing before we end this episode. Um, so you will find all the links in the show notes. You'll find the blog post and everything that, that Michael was discussing in the show notes. And I also want to, to highlight that um, we recently launched um, Rapid Docker on AWS, the video course. So um, we launched the ebook uh, last year, and now the, the video course, the final version of it, is out there as well. So when you look for a way to 
to deploy your application, to containerize and deploy your application in a rapid way on AWS, um, check out um, the ebook or now also the video course, which includes the ebook, by the way, um, yeah, to get, as the name implies, the f really a fast way to get you started to deploy everything in a production-ready way uh, on AWS with CI/CD included. Of course, it, use, if it uses ECR as well. <laughs> and the video course um, just goes through all the necessary steps to a little bit of background information about the used services and really gets you started quickly. Um, uh, highly recommended. You'll find the link to that in the show notes as well. Cool. So, Michael, thank you very, very much for, for joining me uh, for this podcast episode. It was really a pleasure to have you in the show. And I learned a lot um, because you, you're covering parts of uh, the container, container ecosystem um, that I'm not uh, so familiar with. So I liked your perspective very much. Uh, I want to um, uh, ask you to also share the link to the a container security survey with me and I will put that into the show notes um, uh, as well. That would be really cool. So thanks very much. Thank you so much for having me, Andreas. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Bye.